Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome back to Season 2 of 12 Days Pod. I'm Dan Takaki, and as always, I'm joined here with my co-host, partner, girlfriend, and the pigeon lady I gave my second turtle dove to, Kara Zalaya. <laughs> I do love birds. You so. love a bird. <laughs> I love a New York City pigeon. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. And to all those who have been here before, welcome back. This is our holiday season podcast, one that is so seasonal it is only relevant for 12 weeks of the year, which is how long Christmas is meant to be celebrated. That is correct. We love Christmas and we love Christmas movies, so we're here to talk about some of our favorites, some of our not-so-favorites, and some that we've never seen before. Kara, darling, what are we watching to kick off season two? This week, we are taking... A look back at 1992's Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Uh, Home Alone 2 is directed by Chris Columbus and starred Macaulay Culkin as the titular Lost in New York. So, like most of the movies that we do for this podcast, Kara had never seen this movie before. So, Kara, before we watched this movie, what did you think it was going to be about? So, I wrote down what I thought this was about. I thought that it would be a shot-for-shot remake of Home Alone 1, but just in New York City. Pretty close. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what happened. I knew, trigger warning, that Trump was in it for a split second, and everything else that I knew about it was from John Mulaney's stand-up, where he's lost in New York, the height of luxury, limo, Gets pizza. a pizza. <laughs> a cheese pizza. So I really didn't take a lot of notes because I was like, yeah, I've seen the first movie. I get it. It's uh, it's the same thing, but uh, New York City. Dear Daniel, yes. for our listeners at home, could you tell us what Home Alone 2 is all about? I can definitely do that. So Home Alone 2 stars Macaulay Culkin as the titular Home Alone and the titular Lost in New York. Correct. It also stars Tim Curry, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, Brenda Fricker, and Catherine O'Hara. Okay, so to begin, it's Christmas again, a whole year later, maybe two, but probably just one. And the McAllisters, again, are traveling on Christmas. This time, they are traveling to Florida. Why? I don't know. It seems like it seems, seems like, like they mistake. have a bad time there. This movie starts out with Kevin getting into it with his family after Buzz pranks him at the Christmas pageant that he's in. And so he's like, I want to spend Christmas alone. I don't want to be with you. And Catherine O'Hara is like, well, maybe you'll get your wish again. And lo and behold, he does. Can we talk about the fact that Macaulay Culkin's definitely a witch? He's definitely got some spectral powers, too. Yeah, like, this is the low-key thing that no one mentions. Like, he literally manifests Will- Wills things. this into his existence. <laughs> it's It's crazy that this has happened twice now. So how this happens is when they get to the airport, Kevin gets separated from his dad and he gets on a plane to New York instead of Florida because he sees another man in a brown trench coat and follows him onto that plane. He goes to New York City and goes to the Plaza Hotel and with his dad's credit card, he gets a room where he meets the like concierge, Tim Curry and Rob Schneider, who's like the bellhop. Tim Curry is on Macaulay Culkin right away. He's like, oh, there's something up with this kid. He's he's obviously here alone. It's clear he's alone. (laughs) However, that does not excuse Tim Curry's behavior towards Macaulay Culkin throughout the movie. Yes. So Kevin gets a room, is able to get a room because he's like, oh, my dad's in a meeting. So I just came here on my own. And Tim Curry's like, "Mm mm-hmm, sure. Um, So anyway, Kevin is in New York City. He has a whole day in New York City where he goes to a toy store. He goes to Central Park, gets, gets all the food, gets a big limo and a big pizza, drives around, sees the city, and he's having the time of his life. It's amazing. Eventually, though, he has a run-in with who? The Wet Bandits, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern from the first movie. 
who have escaped from jail and hopped on a fish truck to go to New York. And while they're there, they decide that they're going to rob a toy store. The toy store that they're going to rob is the one that Macaulay Culkin has just made good friends with the owner, Mr. Duncan. Some time passes, and Kevin eventually has a confrontation with the Wet Bandits where they see him, and they're like, you got to be kidding me. In the middle of Manhattan. <laughs> right. And <laughs> On Christmas. On Christmas. And so Kevin's like, uh, I got to go. And he runs away and runs back to the hotel where he's greeted by Tim Curry and the entire hotel staff and a bunch of cops who are like, you're here. You stole this credit card. You shouldn't be here. We're going to kick you out and we're going to send you to jail, I guess. <laughs> the NYPD don't get me started. I know. And so he's like, uh, nope, I, I got to get out of here. After he escapes from the hotel, he runs into who? Again, the wet bandits. And... And they're like, who, me? They're like, no, we're going to kill you. We're going to yeah. fully murder you. Here's the gun we're going to murder yeah, you with. Yeah, it's really, I mean, you, it really is intense. They really dial this one up to 11 in terms of the actual pain and potential death that could yeah. happen in this movie. Yeah. He escapes from them again, and he flees to his aunt and uncle's house. And so he has an aunt and uncle that live in New York City, but they're not there it's being used for renovation right now, so it's fully empty. And he spends the night there and is like, all right, I gotta try not to die because I'm scared in the early 90s in New York City and I'm actually an 11-year-old alone. Maybe this is not the best thing for me to be doing. Later that night, he leaves his aunt and uncle's house and goes and wanders through Central Park where he encounters the pigeon lady that he's bumped into several times already in this movie, but the pigeon lady is played by Brenda Fricker. He's afraid of her and she's like, don't worry about it, I'm fine. My birds won't hurt you, I won't hurt you. And so they end up going to Carnegie Hall where she's got this like place to kind of hang out in like the costume department of up on top in the rafters they have a heart to heart kevin's like get it together <laughs> and she's like stop doing bad things and they're like yeah this is right we're both we're both in the wrong here we should be better about this we're not so different you and i we're not so different you and i <laughs> i have my family and you have all these fucking pigeons <laughs> <laughs> So after they have their heart-to-heart, -heart, he decides, I'm going to go confront the wet bandits. I'm going to set up a bunch of booby traps in my aunt and uncle's house, and I'm going to go yell at them while they're robbing the store and lure them back to there. And then it becomes the same movie again, where yeah. it's all hijinks, pratfalls, slapstick. It's Home Alone 1. It's, but, ho it's Home Alone 1. But in an abandoned brownstone in New York City. Yeah. I do want to point out, though, that it is much, much more deadly this time than the first one. We had a tally going during the movie, and yes. Marv, Daniel Stern's character, fully died eight <laughs> times. Like, there are eight different times where he should have been fully dead, including one point he was electrocuted so badly, all you saw of him was his skeleton. Yeah, we did spend a significant amount of time during our watch discussing the physics of which elements of Macaulay's booby traps would kill the bandits yeah there was like a hundred pound bag of flour or cement that fell on daniel stern from three floors above and i counted that as a death i did not count i that think the crush death. injuries would have killed him but let us know do you think a hundred pounds of flour falling three <laughs> floors onto your chest would kill you i mean it depends on your health it depends if you have like bird bones you know or been previously electrocuted so bad you could see your skeleton <laughs> <laughs> all contributing factors you know he might have a pre-existing condition we don't know yeah, about exactly or he could be like an olympic athlete you don't know it doesn't seem like he is <laughs> just just from watching these two movies after this he runs away from them and calls the cops to central park he does not get very far from them actually he they catch him right away he eventually is rescued by the pigeon lady because they're covered in molasses and sure 
she throws bird seed on them and the bird the pigeons attack yeah there's a pretty exhaustive uh, pigeon attacks scene that i'm gonna get to uh in my trivia and oh, fun facts good i can't wait yeah anyway so they get arrested again Kevin's family finds him. He and his mom have a nice moment in front of the Rockefeller tree. Then the next morning, it's Christmas in the Plaza Hotel, and they have all these presents that the toy store owner sent to them, and no one in his family knows about this, like, wet bandits thing for two movies in a row. Yeah. They just carry on like yeah. kevin had his own little adventure but don't know to the extent Listen. about how he almost murdered people and was almost murdered this is how i know these aren't immigrant parents because as the child of immigrant parents they would know every single person within a mile rate who got within a mile radius of me Mm-mm-mm. interesting interesting i don't know if i can relate to that <laughs> that's the movie it's very similar to the first it's one in a lot similar. of ways it's dissimilar in some ways that aren't for the best. I my, I don't know. Kara, I'm guessing you have some notes and some hot takes you have for this, because I certainly do. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of notes. So famously, this was the first one we saw for the entire podcast, Home Alone 1. In the time that has passed, realize that I came in too harsh on Home Alone 1. I think Home Alone 1, I think we rewatched it just for fun around the Christmas holidays. And I did re-listen to the episode and I was I was too harsh on Home Alone. I wanted to have a negative opinion. I don't know, right? Sure. I mean, you gave it an 8. That's not that bad. Sure, yeah. I have since come around and I think that it is an actually really, really excellent movie. And I really enjoyed Home Alone 2 as well. Just generally going in hot and saying, I liked it. I thought it was a good time. Yeah. There were some things that I thought were too long. So instead of the slapstick being too long, which actually I did time it and it was significantly shorter than in the first movie. Oh, yeah, it was definitely shorter it was only like the last maybe quarter of the movie yeah it was which i thought was an improvement because it was so much more deadly Mm -hmm. i somehow found it less gruesome which makes no sense but that's just maybe i'm desynthesized from you know my exposure to christmas movies now (laughs) yeah what i found was a little much was Mm -hmm. all the hijinks inside of the hotel i thought everyone's performances were great Mm -hmm. i was just like okay i got it you know when, yeah, I'm, when had, like a film is trying to be like family friendly and you're just like like you know yeah fine. i mean they had to add something new to it otherwise it would have just been the wet bandits and macaulay hulkin again which would have been great well yeah it would have been it would have been <laughs> i get why they did it i i don't think they executed it super well either but i think tim curry's great in it yeah i also just i i said this in our instagram stories which by the way if you don't follow us on instagram 12 days pod one two days pod where i literally was just vibing because this is the tale of a very nice wonderful sweet boy who gets to bail on christmas with his family to have the time of his life by himself in new york city at christmas and can i say relatable content it's your dream it is my dream i have done it twice (laughs) and it is amazing i have literally left my parents house on christmas day after spending christmas eve with them just so that i could go be in new york by myself (laughs) to go see a play so i get it i vibe i don't know why he's complaining except i totally do because 90s new york is terrifying so sorry kevin that sounds like a really hard time Mm -hmm. the other thing i wanted to say is that macaulay culkin continues to impress yeah. constantly he's he's amazing in this movie yeah and i just want to note that the character has such 
wild emotional intelligence. Yeah, it's amazing. There's some really good heartfelt moments. Uh, when he's talking to the pigeon lady, it's great. He also just displays this sort of empathy and understanding, even when he's talking to his mom. Yeah, I don't know where he gets it from, because... Yeah, know, I mean, Catherine, Catherine O'Hara. O'Hara. <laughs> Catherine O'Hara's, the actress, is great. His mom, sometimes good, sometimes not. I mean, she's doing her best. It's because she didn't end up with... John Candy from John the first Candy movie. from the first movie, which uh. we all know he should have... There's also a slight correction as a callback to the first episode where I said something along the lines of, like, what... Where's the dad? He's not doing anything. And then when you were editing the video, you were like, he's in Paris taking care of all of those children. Yeah. The dad has a little bit more of an active role in this one because he's like working day and night with the Miami Police Department to try and figure out just where his son is because they don't they don't know where he is because they just lost him at the airport. You know, I, I, I also just feel for these people because they're this movie takes place in like two of the places that I've lived and molded me. So I'm always like, wow, the NYPD and the Miami Police Department, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that is tough. It's, it's not great, <laughs> that's for sure. But yeah, I, the movie's such a good time. It's lovely to see New York City covered in snow. I will say because they were making it in the 90s mm-hmm. and New York in the 90s was significantly grittier and grimier than it is now, it did look more like New York actually looks than a lot of movies that I've seen because now that New York is a lot cleaner they make new york to be this very like glossy shiny perfectly clean thing in modern films by which i mean in like the last like 20 years that are and that is not what new york city looks like new york city is famously sticky and gross and uh still great but just it's grimy yeah every time i'm in new york i say to kara i can't tell if i'm slipping or sticking to the (laughs) ground but it's always this combination of the two where like I'm sliding across the ground, but I can't lift my feet. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. You're yeah. always in some sort of gunk, and the smells are either very good or very bad within the split second. So yeah. I love it. I love New York City. As far as how I would rewrite this, you know what? What if the bandits died? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Dan was looking at his phone when I was saying that. You see what you miss? <laughs> what if they died? Yeah, what if they died? How? It's New York City, baby. How? You just said Macaulay like spent like... No, no, no. That's what I want to know. Is Kevin responsible yes. for their death? Yes. Okay. Okay, but like self-defense. Sure. What is lost in New York more than the lost of childhood innocence through oh, that's murder? Been, that's been long gone. <laughs> oh, I also wanted to say, different thought. I think that the pigeon lady is delightful, but she She's is nothing. Not the neighbor with the shovel. Yes. The neighbor with the shovel is amazing. Boo Radley. Boo Radley. She's not a Boo Radley character. Yeah. I I love her. I think she's great. But I'm just like, ah, I didn't have this sort of... She wasn't as looming and she wasn't really like ever a threat to Kevin. Yeah. He was just scared of her because she was just a stranger. Yeah. 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 I, New York City is the threat, the villain. <laughs> Yeah. The, the third character. The third character. The titular <laughs> New York. But I, I thought that that was lacking some of the magic. And inevitably, you know, the comparisons come up with the first one. And I actually expected to like the second one more than the first one, just because of it being a New York City. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed this movie. But I think I like the original better. I think it's just a little It's sweeter. a little cleaner. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it feels fresher and the concept's a little bit more novel. Yeah. As we've talked about, we love a short movie. The first mm. one's 90 minutes. This one is two hours. 
Uh-oh. And I think the comparison would be in the first movie, there's the scene where he goes to the store and accidentally steals the toothbrush. Oh, and yeah. And they start chasing yeah. him across the pond. And that's kind of the end of it. Yeah. It would be like if they added a whole subplot about the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> which is what the hotel is about him stealing something. That yeah. being a room at the Plaza Hotel. Yeah. I. It was great to see everyone hamming it up. And again, I really enjoyed this movie, but I think that the first one really stands the test of time. It's, and... it's impossible not to compare the two. Right. You know? And right. like, I think if the first one didn't exist, this movie would be amazing. Yeah. You know? But the first one exists, so this one is less good. Similar to other <laughs> movies that take place in New York City, mm-hmm. this one, like I said, really sort of makes New York City like a looming threat to Kevin because he's a little boy in an enormous city sure. and it's New York in the 90s. Whereas in Miracle on 34th Street and Elf, New York is like this gorgeous holly jolly delightfulness Mm -hmm. and i think the fact that the setting itself is kind of a threat to kevin takes away some uh some of the christmas magic and i'm being very nitpicky here yeah no but that's fair in the movies you mentioned new york is like decorated and beautiful and lovely and we get some of that throughout the movie like when all the shots of the plaza hotel and like rockefeller Rockefeller Plaza. plaza all of these like iconic places are beautiful and very charming and very Christmassy but it's just everything that's like inside of Central Park which is a lot of the movie yeah is a little like scary and yeah yeah because of the son of Sam because of the son of Sam (laughs) but also like the main like confrontation between him and the wet bandits takes place in this like dusty dark abandoned home whereas in the other movie it takes place in his home that's like well lit and he knows where everything is yeah Can I tell the Son of Sam story? Yeah, you can tell the Son of Sam story. So the Son of Sam, Mm -hmm. I'm doing this from the top of my head. When I lived in New York, my dad came to visit me and I was showing him around Central Park because my grad school campus was the Manhattan campus of Fordham, which is right at the entrance of the Columbus Circle Central Park entrance. So I was walking with my dad through Central Park and the sun was like setting. We were, I was going to cut through Central Park to get to our train station And my dad, who's not from New York and hadn't been since, like, I don't know, the 80s or something, was like, oh, is it safe to walk through Central Park? And I'm like, yeah, what are you talking about? It's totally fine. And he's Mm -hmm. like, well, what about the son of Sam? And I'm like, who is the son of Sam? And he's like, you've never heard about the son of Sam? And this is very my dad. And so we're (laughs) walking through Central Park and he's like, pull out your phone, look it up on Wikipedia. And I look up the son of Sam and he was like a serial killer apparently in the like 70s or 80s who thought that he was could talk to his neighbor's dog and his neighbor's dog was the devil and was telling him to see dan's face you've told me this story before and ever (laughs) and like the first time and now i'm just like what are you what i don't know he was a serial killer you know who's to say how much of this he actually believed or you know you know yeah he basically just like would go and kill women and queens specifically when they were like hooking up with their partners in in their cars but also you know in the 90s in the 80s and the 70s probably still today people just like have sex in central park apparently and this like enraged the son of sam Mm. which was what his code name was Netflix's Sons made a series that i have not watched but that's my story of central park and the son of sam and that's probably the stuff that kevin grew up with yeah that would make sense that's that, that's a scary scary thing to grow up with so i would imagine <laughs> it would be a looming place to go anyway if you're into serial killer and true crime podcasts look up the son of sam i'm sure there's a lot of 
content there. You know, that Son of Sam bit of trivia really has me wondering. Do we have any other fun facts or trivia about the actual movie that we watched? Boy, howdy, do I have some trivia for you. Uh, I love this part. What do you got for me? At the time, Macaulay Culkin broke a U.S. record where he was paid $4.5 million in 1992 to star in this movie, which was the biggest salary ever for an 11-year-old child actor. That's very high. Yeah, $4.5 million is a lot still to this yeah, day. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd be shocked if there were many that were close to that. Yeah, so that was, you know, Macaulay wasn't in, in hot demand at the time. And it was, this is, you know, yeah. he fully exploded after Home Alone. Right, he was a hot commodity. Cutest kid in town. Cutest kid in town. 10 out of the 10 on the Macaulay Culkin scale. 10 out of 10 on the Culkin scale. Yes, that's correct. So we're going to talk about the pigeon attack because that was the scene. And there is a lot of information on the internet about the pigeon attack. Really? So it was filmed on March 25th, 1992, according to Joe Pesci. He seems to have this very clearly in his head. It's traumatizing to him, it seems. And the crew covered him and Daniel Stern with real bird seed. Oh. And 300 real pigeons. Oh, no. <laughs> How are they still alive? That sounds terrible. Daniel Stern is quoted saying that a pigeon literally flew into his mouth. Oh, God. Quote, that was revolting. Yeah, I'm sure. So unrelated to that, but I'm putting them together... After one scene, Macaulay Culkin asked Joe Pesci why he never smiled. (laughs) (laughs) And Pesci told him to shut up. (laughs) You know, Pesci bit his finger in the first movie. And so Kevin was like, or Macaulay Culkin was like, can you put 300 birds on Joe Pesci this time? What if that was in Macaulay Culkin's writer where he was just like, I am. He's like... (laughs) Kevin won't, but I might kill them. That the sounds t- horrible. I would never, for any amount of money, let that happen to me. <laughs> I would let that happen for about $10,000. 10000 Yeah. No way. I'm not scared of pigeons. I've been attacked by New York City pigeons, and it's fine. You get over it. Yeah. I'm, That's just Tuesday. You know, <laughs> Which was the time when I would walk to class and get attacked by pigeons. That's a real thing. Not too far from where it was filmed. At the time, Joe Pesci said, quote, Macaulay Culkin is pampered a lot by a lot of people, but not me. And I think he likes that. (laughs) Which sounds like Joe Pesci. Some fun other little tidbits of production is that director Chris Columbus spent a ton of money on artificial snow for Central Park. And then New York City had a blizzard. And so they just just wasted this money. That's so funny. So was the the blizzard the real snow they used? Yeah, most of the the snow was actually real snow because they had a blizzard. That's fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they ended up using some of the artificial snow just because snow melts and is gross. Right. Yeah. So at the end of the movie, there's quite a big of a montage of Catherine O'Hara looking for Kevin. Mm -hmm. And that was added because Catherine O'Hara was worried that her character wasn't trying hard enough to find Kevin. Oh, yeah. They do kind of just like show up at the end of the movie. It's not like the first movie where she's going on this like epic quest across the country in in a van with John Candy. She just like kind of waits for... For the plane. Yeah, exactly. Because she's like, well, they 
got here at the same time as me last time, so I might as well just wait. But yeah, I think that's it makes sense to add that in. That's a good that's a good addition to have. They they do have a nice moment in front of Rockefeller Center. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then speaking of the airport scenes, this time around they were much more difficult to film than in the first movie because the airport had to stay operational during filming. Oh. And so Macaulay Culkin's recent celebrity required extra security because of the fans and the paparazzi. Oh, I'm sure. Especially in New York City. Yeah. The scenes of O'Hare International Airport were filmed in February of 1992, but the airport cooperated with production and kept the Christmas decorations up through February. Oh, that's fun. (laughs) I can imagine all of those sturdy Midwesterners being like, it's February! (laughs) Alrighty, gang. As we do every episode, it is time for our definitive ranking of this movie. As is tradition, we base our rankings around the 12 days of Christmas. So, out of 12 days of Christmas, how many days of Christmas is this for you, Kara? I'm going to give this film eight maids a milkin. Eight maids? Eight little maids with, with a little udders. Tiny milking tiny milk. udders? Yes, just the tiniest. So, I gave the original Home Alone eight, and I think that was too harsh. I think the original Home Alone is Nine, ten, solid, excellent. And I think this is actually eight sweet little maids milking their sweet little cows. I liked it. I think it's great. I really was expecting to like it more than I did, and that might be on me. But I had a great time. I'd watch it again. But I'd rather watch Home Alone 1. Yeah, I agree. I fully agree with you. How many days of Christmas are you giving Home Alone 2? I'm giving Home Alone 2 seven swans of swimming. Whoa. Yeah. What kinds of swans? White ones. Selfish swans? White ones. White swans. Sassy swans? New York City Central Park swans. Yeah, okay, that's correct. You know, so like, they've got got a chip on their shoulder. (laughs) They've got something to prove. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I gave the first one nine nine out of 12, and Mm -hmm. this is seven out of 12. It's just, it just doesn't do it for me in the way that I think the New York City bump gave it for you. Yeah. You know, like if this was in like San Francisco, I'm sure you'd probably give this like a six. Oh, I would watch it. (laughs) You know, like... In California, if it was in L.A., I would never turn it on. <laughs> like, out of principle. Sorry to all our L.A. listeners. But I, I, what? No. No. The fact that even part of it takes place in Miami is a hard sell for me. <laughs> yeah. I just, though, you know, I don't have the same, obviously, love or nostalgia for New York City as you do. And the first one takes place in Chicago, and it takes place in Christmas, and that's the Christmas I know. It just... It's I, less relatable. It's less relatable. And I like this movie a lot. I've I've said I've seen it before. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I would much rather watch the first one and have watched the first one a lot more than this one. And it's just some of the stuff doesn't doesn't fully land with me. Sure. As we said, you know, Brenda Fricker is great. She's amazing. But she's just not as good as Boo Radley in the yeah. first one, whatever his name was. <laughs> old, man, old Man Jenkins. Old Man Jenkins. <laughs> Old Man Marley. Old Man Marley, you we got there. We did it. We did it. Old Man Marley. All righty. Thank you all for listening. We're only 71 days away from Christmas, and we hope to spread as much Christmas spirit as possible. Mm-hmm. As is our tradition, this is the first of three episodes that we launch on our release date every season. Yes. So be sure to join us for the next episode as we take a look back at an action-packed Christmas special Die Hard. Whoo, folks, we are gonna finally settle the debate. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I have no idea. No. But we are going to definitely come to a solid conclusion on it. Absolutely. You I'm... know us. Firm in our stances. <laughs> never wishy-washy. We've never, we've never made a retraction or corrected ourselves on anything. Everything fact-based and super researched. Absolutely. It's going to be so good. You're, you're not going to know what's coming. You're not going to know what's coming. As we say every episode, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas.